Welcome to It's No Secret, a podcast for Kiwis who want their money questions answered. Ready, steady, go. This podcast will answer the money questions you may or may not have on your mind. We'll talk to real Kiwis and share truths about our own financial lives, both the successes and the failures. Because the truth is, there is no secret to achieving financial freedom. Hi everyone, welcome back to another summer series episode of It's No Secret. Today, we're chatting about careers and money. Perfect if you're considering new opportunities in 2022. With a bit of help from Rosie Nathan, senior partner at Customized Talent Group and host of the Rosie on Recruitment podcast, we answer the question of why money is such a driving factor in our career. Have you been reflecting on the year that's been? If so, it's natural that our career fits into this and can often be an area many people are looking to change for a fresh start. They do say that January and February are the best times to be looking for a new job. If you find yourself nodding your head in agreement, then not only do we have the episode for you, but we also have a giveaway to share. For this summer series giveaway, our friend Rosie is offering one lucky listener a one-on-one careers coaching session with her to help kickstart their career into 2022. For more information about how to enter, head over to our Instagram at It's No Secret NZ. And in the meantime, enjoy this episode. We hope you enjoy our chat about money and careers. Why is money such a driving factor of our career? Now, this is a big topic and one we think applies to everyone listening. Um, And so I think the best place to start is what does society tell us? Society tells us to chase our dreams, do what you love, never work a day in your life, but also make sure you have enough money to pay the bills, be financially secure and set yourself up for retirement. Ugh, don't you, know about that. I was yeah. literally, as you were saying that, just thinking about, I'm not sure if you've seen that reel going around on Instagram where it's like, <laughs> I feel like being adult is having a choice between being financially secure or happiness. And I was like, <laughs> this literally sums up life. Yeah, it, it actually is. I feel yeah. like it is like money is such a huge driving factor of every part of our lives yeah. and our career is what we spend the most time on every day. Yes. Or for a lot of us, it is. It's not for everyone. Um, and yeah and I think also like we from such a young age just have this narrative that your worth and your career are so closely interlinked and Mm -hmm. same then with money into that of like how much you get paid and you know the the title title that you have and you know how hard you work and how many hours you work and all this kind of stuff and so it's like yeah you go to uni to then earn to get a degree to get a job to earn money to then earn more money and it kind of seems like that's the classic. You're just on the cycle once, yeah. yeah. Once you you're graduate. on the bicycle of life. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. at the ripe old age of 32 and 26, we have at various points in our lives questioned, you know, does happiness and money, like how well are they correlated and how does that factor into your career choices and the driving source of this? And I know, um, yeah, there's some really cool stats that we found about this topic. So I'd love you to share that. Yeah, so we dug very, very deep. We went into a big hole because there's so much around this, um, but found that, interestingly, um, Purdue University and the University of Virginia ran a study that showed increases in happiness tend to diminish as you make money. So a 20K increase from 30K to 50K is likely to bring more change in your life than if you make 20K on top of 150K. So move from 150 to 170. I feel like that in itself is really interesting, but also Mm. makes a lot of sense because if you are moving from 
30 to 50k that is you're like almost doubling yes. versus 150 to 170 is only a small increase and yeah. it's likely to not have as much of an impact absolutely and i mean it 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 also highlights the fact that you know there's a minimum level of money that most people need to earn in order to you know cover all your basic needs to kind of survive and have a comfortable life and then you do hit this tipping point that you know amounts on top of that just I guess, give you more choices and more freedom, but also increase your ability to spend on discretionary items. Uh, I just had this like vivid memory when you said that, you know, happiness tends to diminish the more that you make money. And I'm sure I probably shared this story on the podcast before, but one of the things that was a really defining moment for me in my career and wanting to change my career slightly, or at least the way in which I worked in the financial services industry, was I had a client in Melbourne who was a very senior partner at a very large law firm. Um, she was very successful, quite young, still probably I think in her late 30s and had two young children, had delayed having a family for quite some time so that she could make partner. Um, and at the time, she earned over a million dollars a year and her husband didn't work. Um, and she was the most miserable person I have ever met. Like she was so depressed and her health was so bad and she was so sick and they had heaps of relationship problems um, and she hated her job and mm. she felt so trapped in where she was. Um, and, you know, I so vividly remember sitting in meetings with her and having a discussion and she was saying to me, I can't quit my job even though it's literally killing me because I have to earn this amount of money because I've built my lifestyle and my, you know, value around earning this amount of money. And I just thought that is so like, just honestly broke my heart because I was like, for one, I can't even imagine earning a million dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jackpot. But I was like, this, this is just not okay. Like if this is where you've gotten to, this is not the path that I want to be on. Not that I was working in law, but do you know what I mean? Just thinking mm -hmm. around like, your own worth, happiness, totally. money, what you need, and being so trapped and just the fact that happiness definitely can diminish the more money you make. And also happiness is not just the amount of money you make. It's how healthy you are. It's yep. the relationships. It's, um, you know, feeling like you're do being a good person and yep. being a big good person and showing up for other people and being exactly. that help and support. and these Doing things qualities. in line with your values, all of that sort of stuff is super important. And totally. yeah. Not dying on the inside every time you go to your job. I know, I know. And look, I, nothing against lawyers because yeah. I'm sure there's actually <laughs> yeah. plenty of really, really happy lawyers out there. Yeah, <laughs> One of we which know we some spoke. Too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's fine. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it would just for me, um, you know, if you looked at her from the outside, you would definitely think that she was at the pinnacle of success. But then once you kind of scratched below the surface and saw the realities of how she felt about her life and her career, it was really, really sad. Mm. Um, and yeah, not definitely. good at all. Yeah, I think. Um, and yeah, go another on. stat I think within that same study that is yes. super interesting is they compared the optimal income level. Um, in Western Europe and Scandinavia to North America and then Oz and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that the optimum income level in Western uh, Europe and Scandinavia is around 100,000 euros or krona or whatever yep. currency you're dealing with. Um, and then North America, it was 105,000. And in Australia and New Zealand, it was 125,000. Interesting. Yeah, I find that quite surprising. I feel like that's quite high for New Zealand. Yeah, Do I you? guess when you compare I it to what our actual average income 
years of salaries, yes. which I think yeah. for memory is in the $60,000 realm. Yeah, I, I thought it was – Um, I thought – I remember reading a study not that long ago that said mm. that 70000 was the kind of optimum and then you get to that point and that's kind of the tipping point of happiness and that anything right. above is, like, great, but – you're kind of you have enough to have all your needs met. Yes, but that might have you know inflation happens and things like that. So true, true, you know, true. You never know. But yeah, so that was quite an interesting one that I stumbled across. That is interesting. I think it's funny because um again someone asked me about this the other day because they were listening to one of our prior podcasts where I had talked about um running our retirement numbers on the fact that we wanted to live off a hundred thousand dollars a year, and oh, yeah. they came to me with the question <laughs> of like is how did you pick a hundred thousand dollars and isn't that quite high? And I was like. Ex- yes, maybe. Excuse me. Like, <laughs> I want to, you know, and it was quite funny because for them, they had a very different, um, I guess, number in mind around what their level of like happiness and contentedness and how much they needed to afford that level of like security as well um, was in comparison to mine. And it is, you know, worthwhile noting that obviously it's, totally dependent on you as an individual different people have different requirements and what will make them happy but yeah Mm -hmm. as you say like you definitely hit a point where there starts to well there can be a trade-off between you know money and happiness and is you know being on the rat race and like constantly running on the treadmill to get more and more and more (laughs) doing you a disservice or not yes yeah yeah definitely Oh, fun. Okay. So we've Um, talked about, I guess, incomes, but then how do we get there, right? Because, you know, there's – when you're thinking about your career and um, making sure that you don't inadvertently be the partner earning a million dollars and being really, really unhappy with your life, like how do you stop getting there in the first place and what are the things that you kind of need to look at or consider along the way? And I know in your prep for this episode, Christine, I was super impressed to find but also really surprised um, to find this stat that AUT did a study of um, some New Zealanders and over 95% of people said that they never plan their career. And this team has me shook. I'm sorry, (laughs) but who are these people? And now I am like genuinely questioning my life because (laughs) Luke is this person and I thought he was the anomaly, but I am clearly the anomaly. I I actually think that I used to be that person where I like if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't go to university because I think I went straight into university thinking, oh, business, it's a great idea. And while I do really enjoy what I do, I look back and I had I... I had no idea what I was doing and yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I think it's a common like case for a lot of people like mm. Luke as well, like you yep. said. But I think also contrasting to, let's say, Denmark, it's super common for people to take um, two to three gap years, if not more, mm. before they then start university because they, you, you, you have a longer opportunity to get to know yourself, right? Yes. Of like what Figure do I actually – Figure out what your interests are, like actually yeah. know your values as an adult, see where you're at, yeah. what your int- you know, passions, all that sort of stuff. Maybe it's working in a like a job – you know, at the like entry level, yeah, um, and then getting some experience. So you, it's more about figuring out, I guess, what you don't like than yes. what you do like, right? Because you test and learn, test and learn. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, fascinating. This this genuinely does really surprise me. And I'd be really keen to hear from people that listen to the podcast to, to know, you know, is this you guys? Like, mm. have you planned your careers? Because truly, 
I didn't think that people didn't. So, you know? d- so did you plan like your yeah? Your I was that like, you were like yep, nerdy doing- person that at the age of sixteen I was like I want to be a financial planner, and then I I did take a gap year because I knew that I had to do a commerce degree to get into financial planning, but I wasn't super passionate about doing a commerce degree that incorporated investment banking and like derivatives and stuff that I have no interests <laughs> in, but I had to do it, so I did that. Um, and so yeah, I took my gap year and I did that, and then I always wanted to work in financial services and yeah here I am and now I mean I've definitely like some things have changed along the way but I guess for me I'm probably a natural planner anyway and as you said at the start you spend so much time in your life working you know like we know all the stats around how much work contributes to your health and your mental health and everything else and making sure that you're in an environment and a role that is good for you in those respects doesn't necessarily have to be the role that pays all the money in the world but you know is not damaging to your health is actually helping you be the human you want to be mm. i guess i didn't ever feel comfortable leaving that to chance right okay which may, which is not right or wrong Wait, so so by not planning your career, you're leaving it to chance? What, well, what don't do you, you think? Like, otherwise, I what, I, I'm way too much of a control freak. Although now I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so let's use Luke as an example because he did not plan his career. Like, he finished school. Oh, yeah. He went to university. He actually enrolled in a law degree and did a year of law and hated it and then dropped out. And I don't actually know what he did when he dropped out. I think maybe he just worked for a little bit. And then his the way that he got into flying was his mum bought him a flying lesson as a birthday present because she thought he might be interested. And then he went on that and was like, oh, this is quite cool. Maybe I'll enroll in like flying school. And the thing that put him over the edge for that was that his girlfriend at the time lived really close to Ardmore <laughs> Flying School. And it was really convenient <laughs> for him to go to Ardmore and then go see her, which is ridiculous. Oh, Luke, that is it. leaving Luke, your career to chance. Like, <laughs> like, who are these people? But I mean, so funny. it's obviously worked out fine for him. But then, well, but then I guess on the flip side hmm. is now that he is obviously taking a career break from being a pilot thanks to COVID, it has meant that we have had a lot of career-focused discussions and things around his interests because now as someone in their 30s, he has kind of realised that he's never had a career plan. And so the idea of like, do I even go back to flying has been one that's been quite hard for him to come to terms with because he doesn't really know what his genuine like alternatives would be based on his interests because he's never had a career plan. Yeah, okay, interesting. If anyone wants to come and career counsel us, <laughs> please do. Well, but yeah, so I guess I think about Ollie. So Ollie yep. is a landscape architect and he went straight into his parents really um, drove the message of do what you love and the money yep. will come. And I think that that is like Which is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. super cool. Well and done he absolutely loves his job. Um, and he did really well and d- does do really well. But now – you know, the landscape architecture and the architecture industry in general doesn't pay that well. Mm. And so we do have conversations about um, if he was to change his career and if he was to do it again, would he have chosen a more, like he actually would love to work in finance, ironically. Yeah. Um, You know, would he like take a different path? Yes. And I guess he's in a similar position where he doesn't know. We don't know, you know, because it's so hard to plan for. And It is. But then also I guess it's, the short-term cost for long-term gain, in my yes. opinion, because if you 
take a career that you absolutely love over the mm. long term that's going to bring you more joy then maybe choosing yeah. a um a career that pays well from the get-go and over time but you absolutely hate yes what is, what do you reckon well you i was genuinely just thinking as you were saying that that I think money is such a driving factor in our career because it's an easy thing to be driven by, Mm -hmm. whereas clearly people are struggling with the idea of designing their careers based on what they truly enjoy and value. Like that is a lot harder to, you know, really look inside yourself and commit to something that you know will be fulfilling and will, you know, really light your fire and make you get out of bed that's a lot harder to find and think about than it is to be like, I just want to earn $75,000 and go get this job. And that's going to be enough to, you know, cover my expenses and give me a happy life. And then, you know, I'm going to work up towards $95,000. And then when I get to that, I can do this. Like yeah. that's the easy path, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think it also has a lot more like constraints, I guess, in that you're, you think, okay, this is a dollar value that I'm going to move towards. Yes. Whereas if you're following a passion, there might be. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much more vague. Oh, 100%. And, you know, like Luke and I have this conversation of he will at some point in time have the option to go back to Air New Zealand. And we do discuss, like, does he even want to do that? <clears throat> and he's not 100% sure if he does. But the chat that we have about it is he's like, oh, but I get paid really well and it's kind of easy. So maybe I should just go do that for a number of years, <laughs> make some money, and then I'll leave. Yeah, you know? Right. So yeah. it is the default option in some senses because it's easier that for us is a lot easier than going through the path of you know living off one income for the next couple of years whilst we support him to try and figure out what it is he actually wants to do and when you think about it like he's only 38 this year he has a long time ahead of him in Mm -hmm. terms of his career it's absolutely you know achievable for him to start a totally new career and it's worthwhile investing the time and effort into that, but it's also really terrifying. Yeah, totally. And I think you raise a really important point about one: what is one to two years now if that means 40 years of happiness, exactly. right? Or yeah. like, I hate passion. to tell you, Luke, but you're going to be working for at least another 20 years. So <laughs> yeah, I just, what is, oh, you're I just so right. <laughs> what is like, you know, 18 months or two years now of kind of – even though sometimes you feel a little bit like you're flailing about or not really sure what you're doing, it's going to make the next 20 years much more enjoyable if you take that time. So, I mean, obviously, Christine and I only have experience when it comes to our own careers and there's heaps of resources out there and it can be a little bit overwhelming. So for this episode, we wanted to bring in an expert. So we had a chat to Rosie Nathan, who is a partner at Customized Talent the chief commercial officer at her career and host of a really great podcast called Rosie on Recruitment to basically give um, all of the listeners of the show a whole heap of specific tips around career and HR and ways to tackle various issues because – as with anything, you know, money, career, there can be so many different specific scenarios that you're going through. So hopefully you guys find some relevant pieces of information in here. So Christine, what's the first one? The first one is what is one tip that Rosie would give someone who has already started their career is earning a decent salary and they might be looking to change industries or profession. What should they think about when it comes to money, salary negotiation, et cetera? So Rosie- Super important, right? Yeah. Particularly because I- just on this like um well 
yeah, and you could add into that like changing countries, which I have, and oh, also yes. sort of yes. technically changing industries or, well, not so much industries but professions because, you know, yeah. I've gone from being a financial advisor to working in marketing still within financial services, but it's really hard. So, yes, yeah. I wish I had Rosie's tips in advance. Yeah, <laughs> actually, looking at these, same here. I think being on my second, I guess, proper job now, mm. having had these from the start, and then I, it provides a bit more structure. But anyway, I'll dive into what they actually Perfect. are. Yep, <laughs> um, sorry. So that's right. Number one is to understand your current position. So where are you in terms of your skill and your current um, salary and what is kind of – the runway and the ramp up and the wiggle room that you're then going to be looking towards with them. So Mm -hmm. um, the starting point and then where you'd like to get to. Yep. And so also within that, what are the transferable skills and the value in the new role and industry that you can bring? Mm -hmm. And so, and what, how will this support gaining back any initial losses? So I guess as you're making that transition, are you willing to take a a step down maybe in, in pay yeah. for the first six months. And then once you've got your knowledge or industry knowledge up to um, scale, mm-hmm. what does it look like after that six month or one year or whatever time yeah. to then get you back up to where you need to be? So it's, I guess, taking a short term hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so then to that, having a clear roadmap for salary increases and then bonus structure milestones along the way. Yep. I think that last one is really important because I guess with this, I would definitely say that if you're looking to change industries or professions, it's going to be a given that you're going to have to take a step back in salary. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone that has managed to successfully, you know, change in their entire career industry uh, and stay on the same salary that they were. And then making sure that, yes, as you say, you know, you, you need to have a level of like being humble about that and knowing that you might have more overall work experience, but you don't necessarily have that experience in the job that you have. Um, And yeah, having a real clear roadmap as to where you're going to go from there, right? Yeah. And to the point of um, retraining, essentially, of what we said before, of what is the, I guess, understanding what the time frame is, the maximum time frame is that you're willing to take a cut for or yep. to retrain, essentially, yep. um, without Absolutely. having to pay for a degree. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this summer series episode. For your chance to win the session with Rosie, head on over to our gram at It's No Secret NZ. We'll catch you next week for another episode.